I'm Prim Ray, your host at the One Soccer Nation podcast, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Aldo Prezzelli. Aldo's the Chief Executive Officer at Omnia. Aldo, thank you so much for taking the time today. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you. Pretty busy time, but you know, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice occasion. This one, talk about soccer and tech. So happy to be here. Absolutely. So before we dive into the questions, Omnia and One Soccer Nation are officially partners. Uh, we're relying hard on you guys for that AR technology and creativity. Now, with saying that, could you share with our viewers on a little bit more about what you do, what Omnia is, and how we got connected? Sure. So we got connected over, you know, the initial outreach that we usually do to customers. Um, we did a couple of projects in the sports industry space, and we thought that, you know, other folks in the soccer space might be interested in similar solutions. And we'll, we'll talk more about those types of like uh, projects that we discussed. And we opened a call. I talked about Omnia, um, you know, that's usually what I do. Like I explain a little bit about what Advanced Reality is for people that don't know it. And that's actually one of the one of the reasons why I got into this space and why I decided to to start the company is augmenting, like doing more education and making sure that small and medium-sized business owners have an understanding of what the technology can do. And just presenting a variety of different use cases to them. Um so I'm personally coming from a design background. I studied industrial design back in my country in Italy and then product design, digital product design here in the US um, on a presidential scholarship. And while in school, we were like using AR to kind of make fast iterations on products. And I became fascinated with the technology. I thought that this, you know, this particular tech could be used in other um, areas. And, you know, with my co-founder based in, uh, in California, we decided to kind of like facilitate the creation of augmented reality for businesses by putting together Omnia. Omnia, and I'll get to the point of what it is, is an industry agnostic creator marketplace for augmented reality solutions. We basically give businesses access to a suite of discovery, development, and AI tools including access to talent to basically streamline any AR development process. So you go from understanding what AR is to ordering your project, and then you measure the impact of that solution in your business. That's what it is. Amazing. When we connected in, and you told me about the technology, I knew about it a little bit from VR um, with the, what is it the facebook meta the oculus uh, yeah the oculus and um i know it's not mainstream yet but a, you, that technology is pretty cool to use and to have not everyone's in it yet and that's where the future is kind of heading towards with you see apple with their headphone their headset and uh that they're pushing the technology now so it's it's super cool and when you reach die so this this is a cool idea and creative way to engage fans into an, a different experience that they haven't experienced yet. Um, with saying that, how do you see AR technology specifically through Omnia's platform revolutionizing fan experiences in soccer? The reason why I ask soccer specifically is because we're a spot soccer specific podcast and soccer company. So if you think about the fact that I emphasize industry agnostic, 
we really want to create like a, a solution that can be applied to different um, industries. And when it comes to like augmented reality for for soccer, we um, were thinking about engaging uh, fans on a deeper level. So most people, and I'm sure like some of some of the some of the viewers, the listeners here in this podcast, they're familiar with FIFA, FIFA the soccer game. So FIFA, you have like FIFA cards connected to each player. You see, you know, how strong that player is in certain like areas. Um, um, uh, how strong the shot is, how strong the cross is, all the different like um, uh, skills that that player has. What I imagine, because I'm also a soccer fan, I used to play soccer, is you going to the stadium and instead of like relying on your phone for information and then watching the game, that is distracting. I want to see the same digital information that I would see when I'm watching a game on the screen, on a TV. I want to see them overlaid during a live game. Meaning if I'm seeing like, let's say, um, Inter-Miami um, and the LA Galaxy, I'm, I'm watching that game. I'm seeing like exactly where Messi is like operating in the field. I'm seeing exactly how many shots Messi has given. And I'm seeing all this information overlaid onto the the real, you know, the real pitch. So that's enhancing the fans' experience. Now, the the other like question could be, how do we make that happen? Because right now, you can do that with the phone. You can like create mobile AR experiences, and, and you would need to hold your phone and then actually, you know overlay the digital information over the play, the player that you're directing the phone to. But in the future, we'll have actually our glasses, and that's going to be the actual game changer. Uh, so you mentioned Apple, you mentioned Oculus. These are all, you know, bulky headsets that will probably be used for remote experiences. So basically watching games, you know, in, in your living room, and you're mostly going to use these headsets at home. And for those particular use cases, it would be cool to like see the actual pitch, the actual players in front of you. Uh, so imagine, you know, watching the Inter Miami at home, and you have Messi like in 3D in front of you, like announcing the game or even selling you the merchandise for that particular team. That's like enhancing the fans' experience. That's enhancing, uh, you know, not enhancing but like augmenting how teams actually sell merchandise through these channels and it's just going to be additional revenue sources like most most people think that you know augmented reality virtual reality all these technologies if they're not mainstream yet it's because they're a gimmick but they're not mainstream yet because there are a lot of challenges to be you know to solve and one of the major challenges is bulky hardware i'm yeah like particularly it's not solving that that problem amya is working on the second biggest problem in the industry which is content offerings so as a soccer team as someone working in the industry i should be able to go to amya or like any type of like platform and understand okay i need to achieve these business goals i need to drive this amount of revenue for for my soccer team how can i do that with advanced reality and you should be able to find the answer right away that's kind of like what we're going for when it comes to like facilitating the creation of content on, on Omnia 
specifically. And, you know, I'm thinking about the gamification aspect as well for France. So I'm watching a game, I reach a certain viewing time, and let's say the second half, I get to the 78th minute, I get a free t-shirt. That's one way of upselling, um, uh, you know, a free item that then will get access to, I don't know, behind the scenes, um, um, you know, experiences when players end the game and they go uh, into their like um, uh, locker room. So that could be that could be one aspect that you can overlay with they are um, gamification, reaching a certain viewing time, and then getting access to exclusive content like behind the scenes uh, content. So those are kind of the things that um, that I'm thinking about. But there's there's so much more. This like analytics for scouts and, and coaches. But yeah, I guess we'll get to that <laughs> the, during the podcast. The activation that you mentioned. Messi selling merchandise that idea sounds really amazing and it really engages fans in a different way it's not them just walking in the store and seeing Messi play and wanting to get Messi's jersey it's actually engaging with Messi in a different way he's talking to you and sharing merchandise or things that you can buy that sounds like a really uh, nice idea and cool activation to engage with fans um, that they haven't experienced yet. So that really sparked my eyes um, with with that idea. And the the it's not really an idea. It's the technology there to do it. It's just for teams to implement it, basically. Right, Aldo? Yes. So the technology right now is there. Um, people need to understand where it would make more sense to deploy the contents based on the use case. So as I said, you can deploy content, like AR content on mobile, and, you know, we got billions of users that use mobile web AR. Some people don't know that they're using it, but you know, there's like Americans are using AR for shopping. There's about 70% of Americans don't know they're using AR, even though they're using it, because they don't know that that's how it's called. Um, in fact, sometimes we get, we get people um, saying, oh yes, augmented reality, that's meta. Um, and we're like, that, you know, it's also meta, but it's not just meta. There's a bunch of companies uh, working in the space. And yeah, the tech is there. The major challenges for remote use cases, so like for use cases where you need to wear an headset and you're sitting in your living room is uh, broadcasting. Right now, there's still like some challenges to solve for broadcasting live events. You can broadcast events that are not really live because uh, there might be some delays on the headset. But again, I'm pretty sure that, you know, these things will be solved once people have their headsets, you know, in their hands. And, and talking about the recent, like the big one, you know, the Vision Pro, you know, in, in about like eight days, you can place a pre-order for the Vision Pro. And in February 2nd, um, Apple said that it's going to basically ship the unit to the Apple Store. And hopefully we'll be able to play with that. Um, I'm just thinking about buying one unit for us, for like, you know, development purposes. But they're expensive. And not many people are going to be able to afford it. Just like, you know, not many people were able to afford like Tesla, the first Tesla they came out. 
but that's how technology adoption works. You have a really expensive piece of hardware and you know you start to understand how people react to it because one thing that i always say to my my colleagues to 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 other people in the industry before you can make something that people want like before you before you reach mass adoption you need to make something that is desirable for people and you need to raise the bar of what's possible and i think apple is doing that that way and you know in terms of like what we did to spark interest in, in AR use cases for the sports industry. We worked on the Chicago Bulls experience this August. We we were basically the first one to create an hackathon all around the Vision Pro, building for the Vision Pro. And we created during that hackathon uh, where we used Omnia as the platform to facilitate the, activity of, the activities of the event itself. We developed the Chicago fans um, experience where again you can sell merchandise that's uh that's a revenue source you can engage sponsors in new ways so sponsorship uh rights are also a big uh way for like teams to make money teams like chicago bull fan like soccer teams and when you have ads all over the pitch but these ads are not telling you anything you can you know the sponsors can use AR also to augment their offerings. Um, Coca-Cola can create activations that people can engage with, which can also be connected to whatever business goal the soccer team itself has in mind. So again, I activate the Coca-Cola experience, and if I finish that game, like an augmented reality game, where I need to like hit all of the cans, and I don't know. I get a free t-shirt or again, I see behind the scenes exclusive content. These things can all be intertwined and yeah. And, and, and that use case ended up being featured on a major AR uh, magazine as a potential killer use case. I'm selling merchandise in virtual reality. Well, they call it spatial computing, but yeah, it's basically passed through, um, um, extended reality. So, uh, merchandise. Um, uh, live broadcasting and, um, and and the sponsorship activation. These are all things that, that that are possible and they're pretty interesting to explore. Nice. Do you think there ever gets to a point where there's too much technology being used? I think, let me think about it for a second. Um, I'm not a fan of, of overusing technology. I'm not personally a technocrat. I don't believe, for instance, that technology can solve any problem like ever in the world, if, if you know, in the sports industry, but like in general. Um, and I'm personally like pretty, you know, um, adamant on focusing on the ethical use of technology, especially when it comes to augmented reality. I think the ethical aspect of, you know, using data the, the right way the fact that, I mean, we can talk about like all the different studies that have been done on uh, how augmented reality affects people and what's the right amount of augmented reality for people. And I'll give you, I'll give you some, some specific examples. So in 2016, Apple, the Apple Glass came out. That was the first like consumer augmented reality um, uh, piece of device, like piece of hardware for, for people. And, it came out and it was it was pretty limited in its technical capabilities. 
But the major issue in uh, in terms of like selling it is that people didn't want their cameras to be pointed at them at all times. Like I'm, I don't wanna like see a person like wearing glasses and even though the camera is up, like it's pointing at me. Like that, that you know scares people off. And that was one of the reasons why it failed. It wasn't because it wasn't technically, um, you know, advanced. Um, for 2016, I mean, it definitely was, but it was this ethical issue. So moving forwards, we need like companies like us creating content, but even like hardware companies and big players, they need to consider the ethical aspect of augmented reality, not only when it comes to the use of data, but also when it comes to, um, I wouldn't say hiding certain cameras and certain capabilities, but making sure that there's a visual feedback for people on the other side that are not wearing the headset to understand, okay, is this person recording me? Is this person like, you know, publishing content that I'm, you know, that I'm not authorizing. So if we can like create content with those things in mind, then I think we're on the right path, but you know, there might be other incentives, monetary incentives that incentivize companies not to do that. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But I, I think there could be too much technology. Yeah, I definitely think that. But as a proponent of AR, if we do it right, if we develop content the right way for augmented reality, it might seem like counterintuitive, but we're gonna be able to experience life at its fullest. Right now, I personally don't think that you know the phone is gonna stay around for like in the next like 50, 100 years. I think we're gonna experience life with augmented reality devices that's gonna be the replacement device. And if people create content the right way, it can be unobtrusive for them. It can be, it can, it can show up, like the device can show up relevant information when it needs to and just stay in the background when, when you know, people are not using it. That's pretty interesting. Um, I'm trying to visualize that right now. That's, that's, that's a lot of tech. <laughs> um, that's a lot of tech. I'm, I'm just here staring at my phone. Like we might ha not have this in the next 1500 years, as you mentioned, and I could actually really see that. Um, do you see a role for AR in soccer training and player development? I do. So when it comes to like training, um, and there are like use cases already out there. They've done, you know, other companies have done use case, have, have developed use cases for uh, baseball training. So right now, even on the, you, you have an Oculus, right? You told me you have an Oculus. Yeah. So you can, um, and it, it's a paid service. So that speaks to the, the quality of it um where you can train like for for baseball that sport now training for baseball is one thing training for soccer play is another because you're like you're moving uh like baseball you can you can train like how the swing right you can uh you can measure like how strong it is and you can stimulate in vr or in ar how far the ball is going based on how um, strong you hit the ball. In AR, if we're talking about augmented reality specifically, I don't know, Karim, do, should we like distinguish the two for the audience, like what's AR and what's VR? I think that would be maybe like- Yeah, one, that would be good. Yeah. You know, distinction. So uh, virtual reality, I always say this, like virtual reality is fully immersive. You don't see anything of the real world. It's like fully simulated. 
So you wear the headset and you're like transported to a virtual environment. Augmented reality, which is the interesting stuff, <laughs> um, is when you see digital information overlaid on top of the real world. And so for training, imagine like you're holding an iPad. I'm, I'm just taking the iPad as an example. It, it, it has a bigger, um, you know, a bigger screen. You're holding an iPad and you're like the coach and there's also the scout next to you. You're going to, to, to watch a game where you're seeing emerging players, like the players that you're interested in, right? Once organization is interested in. If you had a way to connect real-time data of those players to a data set that you can monitor and you can update and connect it to the AR experience on the iPad, you could see the real-time information of that player so you can make better decision on which one has the most potential. And again, if we were to also use AI for it, you can basically run cross search with other players in similar countries, like in, in other countries with similar skills in the same position. And you can, you know, create a, create a, a list of like the, the top three based on that age, that position, and that level of fitness. So scouts can definitely use that um, um, and coaches can definitely use that. When, when we talk about like, how can we implement AR for training on the players themselves? We're still some like years out um, with having devices that are fully, um, uh, like they're completely small in, in terms of like form factor that can be used during training, but there are companies, and I'm personally a partner in this um, hardware company that is developing smart lenses. I'm an hardware in that company, and one of the use cases is actually training for soccer, for all, for all kinds of like uh, sports that require lots of movement, tennis players, soccer players, American football players, um, and that's gonna be like fully unobtrusive. You wear a smart lens, and you can see like where you're going, you can see what you need to improve. Um, again, taking FIFA as an example, you know when you have to like shoot a penalty and you're like directing the ball and you see like the 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 aim in within the goal. Imagine if you could do that as a player in real life with augmented reality based on like your body position because your body position affects where the ball is going, right? We, we train as soccer players, me and you. We, we play the game. We know how that works. You know that the left, if you're shooting with the right, the left, where you position the left leg, that's also important to where the ball is going. So if you can improve these things and you can see them with digital information, that we're going to have, you know, lots of messes. Ideally, you know, if, if we can improve how, how players are, are trained. So yeah, I'm really excited about that future. So although what are oh, sorry. so although what future developments in AR are you most excited about that can impact the soccer world? So in order to make certain use cases work flawlessly, like live broadcasting, we need different uh, different software players to basically make advancements and 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 you know and work alongside hardware companies. I'm definitely 
I'm definitely most excited about the the, the types of hardware um, products that are going to be on the pitch that would allow people from other countries, from from places that are difficult to kind of like reach to um, to watch a game in in Argentina, reality, just like if they were sitting on the first row in in the stadium. Um, and I'm thinking about let's say. Let's say there's a uh, Champions League final in London, and I'm based in, you know, I don't know, Brazil, I'm based in Peru, I'm based in South America, and I'm working on that day. I cannot, like, you know, get on a plane and go watch the game. I want to be able to do that in, um, you know, in advanced reality. And right now, the, the experience is not ideal, like I said. So definitely lots of hardware players and software players have to come together for on-the-pitch technology. Um, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be some sort of like regulation on how much, you know, uh, technology can be used for those particular purposes because some some traditional players are going to be left out. Think about all the traditional broadcasting services. If Apple can create a service where I'm watching a game and I'm sitting in the first row and I'm paying $50 a ticket instead of like $5,000 ticket for the Champions League final. And I'm not doing it through TNN, through, you know, traditional TNBC, traditional broadcasting services. You know, there's going to be an issue. Um, there's going to be, you know, legal, legal battles. These players might want to get into, you know, XR, but it might be too late at that point. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm closely monitoring how broadcasting services are going to be affected by this technology and what they're going to do about it. Because if they have a blueprint on how to enter the space, we would be, you know, honored to work with them on on finding the right strategy in implementing, you know, any XR solution. And we're doing this with MLB for baseball. So we are working on several proposals on how MLB um, can leverage the technology, especially the Vision Pro um, headsets and how they can drive more revenue uh, through the sponsorship rights, through uh, merchandise sales and through uh, live broadcasting. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. And yeah, I don't know if it's clear, but it's gonna be, work done by other companies, software companies coming together and having technology on the pitch. Amazing. I mean, that, you know, if Apple could do that, pull that off, um, that would be amazing. That'd be, the masses would jump on that. Who wouldn't want a front row seat at a Champions League game finals or World Cup finals? Um, but as you mentioned, that that'd be, that'd take a little bit of time, a lot of legal war back and forth so that'd be pretty interesting to see what the future holds you know referring to uh to the fact that at, at this point like the headset still expand like it's going to be priced at three thousand four hundred uh something three thousand four hundred ninety nine i think and apple expects three thousand fifty three three fifty thousand units uh three hundred fifty thousand units to be shipped um so still limited in terms of like quantity in terms of like you know, uh, uh, price, but it's a, it's, it's a no brainer. I would personally buy just for that. 
I would love to watch a Champions League game and, and pay like one third of the price. So Aldo, what inspired you to venture into AR technology and how has your background influenced your approach to Omnia? And, you know, you mentioned earlier, this is going way back to before you also mentioned you had a soccer background. So I think maybe if you could start from, from start from there, sharing a little bit about your soccer experience and then obviously you mm-hmm. had to transition. So, and then just venture off into your experience in Omnia. Yeah, so <laughs> as a, as every, I guess, every 14, 15, um, Italian years old, um, I wanted to become a pro, you know, a soccer player. I started to, I, I mean, I was pretty decent. I don't think I would have made it like to Serie A, uh, but probably, you know, the amateur league, yes. You would see, you know, those leagues. Uh, but yeah definitely very passionate about the about the sports that was the only sport that i played even though my mom wanted me to play basketball and swimming pool i was like mom like we're in italy let's fucking play (laughs) (laughs) why are we playing well why am i playing basketball i don't even have the height for it uh but yeah so i i I got into actually the the um young uh team of inter inter milan i was playing in the pro inter and when I was 17, I was actually playing against Hilo Verona, the, the young team from there. And I um, I was like going to the goal. I made a cut to the center to shoot. And one defender just put me down. He did a tackle on me. And I fell badly. Like I basically raised my arm. And I fell with my shoulder. My shoulder got out of place. And it got back in. And I remember... Two weeks after that game, we had the tryouts to enter like the actual Inter Inter Milan team, and I didn't make it because I was injured. And you have to understand that in Europe, and I'm sure you know this, it's not like the college teams here in the U.S. If you don't get into a team like when you're 15, 16, 17, you're done. It's not that you can try again, you can go to college, you can win a scholarship and, you know, study and still do sports and then maybe um, uh, get picked by uh, by, by bigger um, teams. I was done. And I still play, like I still play on weekends. Um, I mean, I had a, an ACL surgery recently um, playing soccer and here in Chicago, but, you know, it, I love the game. Um, it makes me it makes me work better on Omnia if I play on weekends. Um, and the, I became interested in in AR when I moved to the U.S. So I uh, came here to study digital product design in Chicago, as I said. And I went through with something that we were using in class because, and this comes back to using AR also for for training. Augmented reality has huge benefits when it comes to education. Uh, you have, and I'm looking at statistics right now from notorious, you know, uh, reports, McKinsey, uh, uh, Accenture reports. There's a 50% of reduction in cognitive overload when you see information in augmented reality, and 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 that's that's obvious why. Like we're visual learners. If I can see something. I learn it much faster. I retain it much faster. Like I retain it for longer. If I experience it, then it's even better. So it's not only looking at one thing, it's also experiencing it. Now, there are some like controversies 
about how to use it right because it's true that people are more engaged like students are more engaged when they see something in your but they might not retain information for longer but if you do it right you do you retain information for longer and people are more engaged on average if you use AR for training your employees also so training um, uh, employees educating students or education you have 10 times higher engagement times and 10 times higher engagement times think of the 10 times engagement time for fans watching a game you know how can you engage people more than what the tv does you can use you will use augmented reality so these are all interesting things and you, you just you just simplify concepts that are difficult to grasp when you experience them uh think about when people were like students are learning how the solar system works sure i can get a sense of like how far the planets are from the sun from a book but it's not the same thing you know our generation probably me and you we were watching youtube videos on on that subject our kids or our kids kids you know they will they will probably experience something in you know in ar instead of like watching youtube videos um and it's, it's just going to be a better better experience like think of tony stark the iron man stuff when once he like puts everything in uh, in his garage that's how it's going to be uh once we get to like a higher level of fidelity uh yeah there are also drawbacks i don't know if you want to talk about the drawbacks one drawback is that if you create something very very similar to real life there's there's a problem for people having headaches because they're getting confused. And right now, like you need to balance how real life do you do you need a certain asset to be to not confuse people and you still want it to be like realistic. So, you know, as content creators and, and as developers, we're trying to, to to balance that aspect as well. Yeah, I mean, when I wear my Oculus Quest uh, for too long, uh, my head starts to go, my my brain starts to fry. So yeah, I, I, that is a bad effect. Um, and through this conversation, I want to share with you that I'm seeing some cool stuff. I don't really talk to a lot of AR people. It's a lot of soccer guys, you know, on and off the field. So you're making me see different things when you mentioned that our kids in the future may will most likely be using these technologies to learn to have a more enhanced experience learning. And, um, it, uh, it, and again, it opens my eyes to the future and how, how cool it's going to be and exciting. So um, I'm interested to see what the future holds. I know it's, it's bright and we, we saw things to, to fix and get through, but we'll make it through. Uh, the last question that I have here is what advice would you give to entrepreneurs looking to integrate technology into traditional industries like sports? That's a good question. And I think about that pretty often. Um, what would I, what would I say to my younger self when I started this? Be, pre be prepared to receive lots of no's. Be prepared to receive lots of no's. I mean, especially like in my industry, man, like, is tough. I'm not working in the AI space directly. AI, the AI industry is going to affect the growth in my industry. 
and we're also like using AI in, in, in a way we launched a tool yesterday to be added to our marketplace that you know uses AI for simplifying the uh, grant reality creation flow but yeah be prepared to receive lots of notes be prepared to to stick to your to your vision um you, you know you're gonna see you're gonna meet a lot of people you're gonna meet you know yeah and, and these people are gonna come from different backgrounds they're gonna have different um you know age and they might think about things differently and they might tell you that something is completely wrong just because it's a new industry. And sometimes you get like people that say, look, I don't understand you. I don't want to give you any advice, but you'll see, you'll, you'll get to meet people that even though they have no knowledge, industry knowledge, they'll, they'll tell you if something is wrong or right. And you should be, you should be aware of those people. You should be able to like figure out who they are. Um, and just stick to your, to your vision. Um, even if you're like a 20 year old, something like me. So yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how people will need to, you know, to behave in order to still have that relationship with a certain advisor, a certain, a certain person that they've met at a networking event, but you can, you can be direct to people without disrespecting them. So that's very important. And if people don't like you, then that's fine. You know, you know what we say, like lots of friends that find lots of, lots of enemies, lots of honor. If you have lots of enemies, you have lots of honor. That's some good advice. Um, I, before we end off, although I want to ask you some fun questions, um, since we're both soccer guys, I want to know what's your team in Europe and what's your MLS team? Oh, MLS team? I a team in Europe, Juventus, and it's a family thing. My father rooted for Juventus. My grandfather rooted for Juventus. As far back as I remember, everyone rooted for Juventus. And it's also it's also a team, most people don't might not know it, that has the highest percentage of um um uh, of fans outside of where it was born. So it's like it's an Italian team. Um, and in fact, the Derby of Italy is Inter Milan and Juventus because they have most fans outside of where they were like based initially and MLS team. I mean, man, I'm going to go with Inter Miami. <laughs> <laughs> why, not? why not? Why not? Yeah. I mean, why not? The, the, the guy is, is the goat. Um, I'm, I, I was the Ronaldo fan when I, when I grew up, but it would be, you know, I wouldn't say dumb, but it, it, it would be like this ingenuous <laughs> for us to say, look, this one is better than the other. They're both great. They're great players. They're great athletes. And they just have a different approach. But what Messi is doing, I think, is going to be important for the for your industry as a whole. Um, and, and it started with Beckham, I would say. It started with Beckham deciding to invest and I bet that guy received lots of notes and he had to adapt to the American uh, way of like doing deals, especially in the, in the soccer, in the soccer world that people, people in, in the U S are not really, you know, attached to the sport, but it's growing on them. And I think this is going to affect the industry in a good way. I, yeah, I agree. I think, have you watched the David Beckham documentary? Yeah. 
Netflix. That was a yeah. good documentary to to see how it kind of unfolded a little bit piece by piece. Um, okay, yeah, I agree with you. And and what Messi's doing for soccer in the U.S. because I haven't dug into this. I really want to know about it, but I don't have the time to yet. I haven't made time. But Messi and people around the world, Europeans, you guys call it football. Even yourself, you you're Italian, right? call it football yeah. so when europeans hear canadians americans say soccer it's like a disrespect to football right <laughs> like they don't like it so for messi to come from a footballing background playing all around europe to coming to the u.s hey where we call it soccer is like mind-blowing <laughs> because this is like it's unheard of it's like you have we have the best player in the world coming playing in the u.s actually right now for the second year and like even just like i remember last uh w- one of the club owners that i've interviewed i think it was a usl one or championship club owner it was a usl one club uh owner darren van tassel owner of trementa fc he said we're able to say messy and i was like messi's playing in the u.s and i was like you're right like that's crazy so for me to, again, just me personally, for me to hear that Messi's in the U.S. playing soccer, it's like, that's pretty that's pretty cool and interesting. But um, that's, again, it's a big push for soccer in the U.S. And, and we're climbing up that ladder versus the MLB, the NBA, and the NFL, which are big beasts. Um, hopefully with the coming years with Copa America, the World Cup, and hope uh, if we host the FIFA Women's World Cup, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get higher up the ranks. Um, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on the, the World Cup and Messi? Well, I hope that my team qualifies this time. <laughs> That's my first time. Uh, I mean, but then we have four World Cups and we haven't qualified for the last two. Um, that's kind of a bummer. But talking talking about Messi and and talking about the fact that we were we were discussing how AR can improve like players' performance for training. Just having Messi around other players, that is going to improve players' performance. You don't need no AR for that. Yeah, <laughs> just just having, like, I, I think this is going to be huge because it's not huge for the industry. Like, you know, just sponsorship dollars and things like that. It's going to be, we all know, like, at the end of the day, we're athletes. Sport is very similar to business because there's a lot of competition and you need to have mental strength besides having physical strength. But when you when you're sitting next to someone, and it could be a great CEO or it could be a great player like Messi, you want to go to that level. You go to you want to go back home and you want to be like, damn, I spent the day with with Messi in this case, and my skills are getting better. So if if that is the effect that Messi has on um you know just the players that that play for the MLS. That they're just gonna create a better environment for youngsters to to uh, to play the game, and I wish you know more Americans play this this sport. I, I'm not a fan of American football, uh, just because it doesn't flow very well. It's the beautiful game for a reason. Like it flows so well. Like you don't stop every five seconds. Exactly. You, you yeah. know, you go back and forth, and and. It's just elegant. It's an elegant, elegant name, elegant game, and I don't know. 
in 20 years, 30 years, my, my company will be very, very successful. I hope to own a soccer uh, team, maybe my, my, uh, the, the team in my own town. Who knows? I, I really want to, you know, play a role and I'm really excited about our partnership because of it. Um, even though I'm not, you know, soccer players, if I can contribute to like growing, making the, the sport grow with technology, then I'm up for it. Absolutely. Well, you know, at One Soccer Nation, we're working towards launching a, a professional soccer team in the U.S. and, and hopefully MCO multi-club ownership around the world. So hopefully we'll be able to help you guys facilitate that transaction and launch that club wherever you want that to be. Um, to end off here, I want to share, I grew up with a lot of Italians playing at uh, Woodbridge. I think I shared this with you maybe on a few of our calls. And, uh, you know, I, I love my Italian people. They brought me in like family. When I was playing for Woodbridge Strikers, it was a team I played for about uh, five plus years. And we used to win everything. We used to win everything. I love Italian food. So I got to end off with this question. What is your favorite Italian dish? Uh, well, it gotta, it's got to be maybe, it, it's got to be pizza for sure. But my mom's pizza. <laughs> what's, made what's, one. what's on it? What's on it? No, it's just you can put whatever you want as long as it's not pineapple. Not pineapple. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's it's all made. It's very like uh, crunchy the crust and it's thin. In Chicago, we have the dip dish, and I don't like it at all. But yeah, it's gotta be the my mom's pizza, and it's usually we like zucchini and breadcrumbs. That's how I like it. White, so not a tomato sauce. White, uh, truffle oil. Zucchini and breadcrumbs. Nice. Let's I mean, go with that. I got to try that one in the future. But Aldo, yeah. thank you so much again for taking the time for being on the One Soccer Nation podcast. Thank you, Jeremy, for having me. Hello, everybody. So right now, I'm going to show you an example of what can be done with augmented reality for Division Pro specifically in the sports industry. I'm going to share the screen. And in terms of like, context on this project this is one of the projects that was developed during the omniathon the omnia's first xr hackathon that took place uh august on august 2023 and um it was the first known hackathon with the vision pro um, development track and this is one of the participants that won the first prize for the vision pro track i'm gonna play it so what you'll see is a Vision Pro experience, so an extended reality experience that can be um, launched on the Vision Pro. This is using the Vision Pro SDK, and the opportunities here are are endless uh, because you can see people clicking on, you know, the Chicago Bulls icon. They can see where the game is going to take place. They can purchase tickets, they can see the location, they can see the merchandise, merchandise that can be displayed in uh, 3D. So that's a new way for, for sports teams, for sports organizations to sell their items to audiences at home. They can bring the shop into their living rooms. And there's an intro with a video. You can see the preview of, of the stadium. And this is something that, you know, people might do once they're actually in the stadium. Like they can uh, shoot from, you know, 
a really long distance, see if they can put the ball into the net and, and win some prizes. You can create the same gamified experiences with the Vision Pro. I'm just gonna move it a little bit further. And so, yeah, imagine you have, you know, this type of experience and you can sell merchandise, upsell items if people reach a certain, um, um, reach certain points. And then all these sponsors around it, they can also create augmented reality experiences or immersive experiences where people are incentivized to kind of like gamify uh, play parts in a gamified aspect and and then win certain things that the sports team or the sponsor itself wants to wants to sell to people or just give out for free. Yeah, that's just one of the the, the things that can be done. Uh, so creating live broadcast experiences, um, adding gamified solution and showing merchandise in 3D. Uh, we did a report recently with MLB on how they can implement this and drive revenue. And we found out that brands can actually get up to um, um, $6 billion in additional revenue according to the revenue sources that they already have. If they implement the same thing with the right strategy for XR channels, extended reality, augmented reality, or virtual reality. Thank you.